It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. It's Talk LP Podcast time. It's Amber Bradley. Welcome to the unscripted side of LP. We love it. Don't we? I got the Davids. I got the David show going on. I don't think I know. I, I couldn't know more Davids. I know a million Davids. But two of my favorite on the horn with us today, David Lund, VP of Dick's Sporting Goods, filling the co-host chair today. Hello. <laughs> Word Hello. up. So David Shugan, welcome to the Talk LP podcast hot seat. And it's even hotter today because you've got David Lund as my co-host. And you guys kind of know each other a little bit. We do. Uh, yeah, if you put us together with the tallest David in loss prevention. 100%. <laughs> That's awesome. So for those that don't know, uh, this industry veteran, Dave Shugan, um, Senior Director at Carter's in Atlanta. Yeah. My st- old stomping grounds, Hotlanta. So first, we got to set the stage for the audience that you guys go back a while, not just the five minutes we've been on the podcast. All right, David Lund, tell us a little bit about how you know Shugan. I'm just going to go last names here since we're like, you know. I go by Shugan better than I go by David. Okay, we're bros at this point. So then we'll get Shugan just to make sure we're keeping Lund honest. All right, Lund. So Shugan and I actually met each other uh, through a presentation that we gave together with Stephanie Hoover uh, on an investigations topic. I don't know, was it 10 years ago probably? Maybe longer? Uh, plus, plus yeah. I would guess. Yep. so uh, there's quite a pair of the two of us with Stephanie in the middle. There's the pyramid of power. Yeah. <laughs> the pyramid of power. I think she'll like that. And is very fitting for her. Okay, Shugan, what what do you know about this guy? Yeah, so um, you know, like as Dave said, we've known each other for a long time. I got 10 plus years, and and uh I think there was even some conversations maybe even prior to presenting, so it made the presentation a little bit better. But uh, uh Dave and I and then Steph, Stephanie, Steph, uh uh had an opportunity to present that I think it was at an NRF show, maybe a Rela show, and on how to do investigations. And, and man, I don't know what that looked like 10, 12 years ago, um, but uh, just gave us an opportunity. And, and as Dave said, uh, we've just been able to connect and we still stay uh, connected through other committees uh, today. All right, so for those that don't know you, Shugan, I mean, you've got um, a, a, a plethora, we're gonna bring that out right now, of retail experience, both retail, specialty, and throw in restaurants, throw near in and restaurants. dear to my heart now. The restaurant side of things at one of my most favorite Cracker Barrel. So tell us a little bit about your experience and, and your career and kind of how you felt like the transition from, from restaurant to retail and you know what's what's been your favorite thing right so far? Not to down if you don't say restaurant you know you still love them. We're all I, love it's all fine but. I am a diehard Cracker Barrel guy there's no yes. doubt about it. I still get to them um, uh, whether it's the uh, the fish, the salad, the soups, just anything that has croutons on it is good for me. But that being said, um, you know, current state is, is, is where I love to be right now. Carter's, I, I've been here about 12 years, but um, my background's kind of unique um, in how I even got into the restaurant business. Um, although that restaurant business, they actually did more retail business at the time than where when I started at Carter's was doing. So they're a big restaurant retailer. Um, but that being said, you know, just the whole uh, the way I got brought up in this industry. So uh, I'll, I'll tell the story as quickly as I can. It, it's, it's interesting. It's very, very unique. Uh, so some of them may know it, but um, I happened to be shopping for a pair of shoes. I was living in Chicago. 
uh, at the time. I, I needed a pair of shoes and I walked into a shoe store called Churn and Shoes. And uh, I happened to go into the back room real quick to use the restroom. So they had the old message boards by the water fountains because technology wasn't really around in the early 90s. And I saw that they were hiring an internal auditor. Um, so I walked out, saw a manager, asked to fill out an application. Next thing you know, I'm the internal auditor at Churn and Shoes. What I had no idea, nor had I ever heard of a company called Wicklander Zalowski. Had no idea who they were. Um, but they were the consultants for Churn and Shoes. And they felt that they needed to be in the field a little bit more. So they needed someone in the office uh, at Churnins to go through the daily journals, the paperwork, got put into a big envelope. And I, my job was to go through those envelopes and look for anything suspicious. Um, and when I found something suspicious, I called a guy named Wayne Hoover. Had no idea who Wayne was at the time. And uh, I had asked Wayne after a while, I said, well, Wayne, what do you do with all this? He goes, well, we go out and investigate it. He said, but the other part of do is we're out in stores doing LP audits. And so I said, I'd like to see what that looks like. I didn't really know that was a thing. Um, so he's like, well, let's come on out. So I started traveling around Chicago land with Wayne, uh, trying to keep up with Wayne for that matter. And I said, you know what? I like this part of the job better than sitting in an office. So they gave me the opportunity to start doing audits. And I became, went from an internal auditor to an LP manager. And then I said, well, Wayne, walk me through this interview thing that you do that you get people to admit. So he's like, well, you need to witness a couple. So I started witnessing and I said, I think I could do that. That looks fun. So I started going through Wicklander classes. Uh, Wicklander's Zalowski, the interview and interrogations, the basic, the advanced. And um, just through luck of it, about eight, nine years of working for Churnins, I went from internal auditor to loss prevention manager to director of loss prevention, but solely trained by, by Wayne and then Shane and Doug and Dave and, and the whole crew at the time. Um, this to tell you a horror story, I used to have to have the videotape every one of my interviews and interrogations on one of their uh, briefcase cameras and then take it back to Downers Grove, Illinois, where Doug and Dave and Wicklander uh, resided at the time. And then they would critique my interview. And oh, interrogation. Lord. Um, and man, talking about a person that has a red pen, they would go through my statements and everything else, uh, years. But that being said, it got me into the industry and I love it. And it kind of, as I uh, was moving through my career to, uh, to answer your question, Amber, about re retail, restaurant retail, uh, unfortunately, Churnins closed the doors. And I uh, certainly became very close with the folks at Wicklander and, and certainly Wayne. And they recommended I get into some specialty retail as well, mall-based and, and other things. And uh, an opportunity came up at Cracker Barrel Restaurants to, to join them and help build that team. And uh, certainly uh, what I would consider a mentor of mine, Joe Hardman was there. Uh, so, and I'm sure we've heard his name throughout the years of uh, these, uh, these podcasts and everything else, but uh, started working at Cracker Barrel. And I, I knew the restaurant, just didn't know the retail piece of uh, Cracker Barrel. And uh, uh, this kind of prolonged uh, that activity for about another 10 or so years, eight to 10 years, and um, uh, moved into Carter. So I went from shoes to food to rocking chairs and, and now baby clothes. Uh, so it's kind of a crazy world, but man, I wouldn't change anything. And then I am excited and proud of the fact that I think I am the only person in this industry that was probably personally trained in auditing, interviewing, uh, store visits, surveillance, all by WZ that never worked for WZ. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of that. Trained by the yeah. best though. Why? I mean, you couldn't have better teachers. For sure. Have you ever I, heard I'm of very, that, Lund? fortunate and lucky. I no, feel like more stump every now and then sitting on the park bench telling that story because a lot of people would be like, is that really true? It's true. Well, I'll tell you, 
Doug, Dave, Wayne, and Shane have always been very generous with their time and advice. Um, I mean, they've got a service and a product that's second to none, uh, but nonetheless, they're, they're always willing to help. So it doesn't surprise, the story doesn't surprise me, but you've certainly been a benefactor from the greats. So that's pretty awesome. Let me ask you a question, Dave. As you've gone uh, along your career with such diverse work experience, how's your leadership style had to change? Well, it, it, certainly it's about the people, uh, you know, and, and, and certainly the company culture, the core values that they have. Um, but I've been fortunate that I think every company I work for, uh, it's been about family a little bit, but also just providing that leadership. Um, I, uh, I try to live by the philosophy is I think I can teach anyone loss prevention. Um, I can't teach personality. So I try to bring people onto my team, whether it's at a restaurant retailer or my current state, that I could hang out with. Um, also that I could work for. Um, I learned that lesson years ago about when you interview someone, ask yourself, could you work for that person? Um, and that's kind of where I've gone from. But yeah, so you, you know, there's certain been, certainly been some situations where one company may be a little bit more um, risk adverse versus having a risk appetite. Um, but you know, I, uh, I, I, another phrase that I've learned out the years, different circus, same old clowns. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of moving things around a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Um, could I work for this person? And we've been doing this a lot. And, you know, it's always, it's so cool to me that do these podcasts with you guys, these veterans of the industry, and you have such diverse perspectives and to where you give these little nuggets. It's like, oh my God, I haven't even heard that. Right. Um, well, so such a small world, you may end up working for that person. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. I've known each other for, for years and years. Um, you know, uh, you know, there may be an opportunity somewhere down the line that Dave and I are working together and, and I'm reporting in or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I'd you know, love to work in Atlanta. You know, it's not. <laughs> are you hiring? Kind of <laughs> all right. All right. So in thinking about um, your career, and I think a lot of, of our audience, I mean, it kind of spans the gamut of, you know, the, the regionals working their way up to, to want to be sitting in either one of y'all's seats, right? And I know if you haven't listened to Lund's podcast, you need to tune into that because we ask him the same thing. It's a really interesting answer. So if you had to give some advice to your younger self and, and you know, thinking about where you were when you were 19, 20, 21, whatever, whatever age range it is, that would impact your path. What, what advice would that be that you could say, hey, I would tell myself this to help our audience? Uh, take your time, slow down a little bit. Um, I think we all want it to be further in our career at a faster time frame. Um, whether it's saying by 25, I wanted to be this and 30 and 40 and now 50 years old for me. Uh, we all had this, but I, I, I do think you got to take off what you can chew, um, you know, using that expression and I just look back, I remember wanting to be a director early on in my career because I saw what other directors were doing and I'm like, I can do that. That's got to be easy. Um, knowing what I know now, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy at all. And um, I, I, I was fortunate to surround myself with a lot of great people, which is another bit of advice I would give myself is build your network with people that you can trust, people that will give you honest to goodness feedback, not something that you want to hear. What you need to hear is really important. Um, so, uh, and it's ironic, uh, Amber, I have a, I have a son who's a criminal justice major. Uh, so he does ask me every now and then, you know, you know, what, what path do I go down? And I just say, enjoy college right now, get out of college, take on a role, whatever that role may be, but don't look for the finish line tomorrow. Just continue moving forward one foot at a time. And, and again, surround yourself with really smart, good, 
hardworking, honest people, and, and that's a good setup. Hey, Dave, have you found any challenges in keeping people motivated who might have those, those accelerated ambitions? You know, you want to you want to help them temper their path, but at the same time, uh, not not uh, demoralize them by telling them to slow down. Yeah, you know, it, it is always a tough uh, conversation because um, you may have some people that you work with, uh, maybe even work for, and 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 you don't know if there's going to be a path maybe to uh, a, a director or a VP or senior, you know whatever role. Um, but I do think they can continue to grow in their role and take on more leadership and and maybe take on some. Uh, uh, some expanded roles. Um, but yeah, it, it is always a difficult conversation. But again, one of the things that I, that I always feel like is having an honest conversation um, and, and face-to-face and, and giving them the feedback they need to be successful is important. Uh, it's always a tough conversation because unfortunately, uh, there are some people that are really good in their current role, but they're not ready for that next step yet. So just encouraging them, continuing to learn, having them branch out, having them talk to other people, I think are always important things to do. Yeah, those are some really good points. Okay, so both of you are pretty much known to tell it like it is. So I might, I'm going to ask this question to both of you. So a lot of times you hear this about surrounding yourself with good people. And I think, you know, if you're younger in your career, maybe you're a new manager, it's hard. You, you feel like it, maybe it's like an insecurity thing where you feel like, okay, if I surround myself with too good of people, then what? I still have to, I still am so driven that I want to be the best. I want to be the one that people are coming to. And if I hire all these people that are awesome, then what? Honestly, if we're getting real, that's where I think people, when they think about, oh yeah, I have good people, but not too good. I don't want them better than me. Right. But then how do you balance that? I mean, you guys clearly have your, you're well-respected. You have great colleagues and you said you're hiring people that you trust, but to get real, like how do you balance hiring good people, but making sure that you're still like squelching that fear, I guess I would say. Mr. Shugan? Yeah, well, I, um, I was going to go Mr. Lund, but all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Um, you know, you just have to be honest with yourself first. As important as it is to be honest with somebody else, you got to be honest with yourself first. So you have to know your shortfalls, your shortcomings. Um, for me, I have, I think a lot of great ideas here. I just don't sometimes have the ability to either voice them, write them, get on a, on a, on a document or an Excel spreadsheet somewhere to get them out. So uh, it took me years because you don't want to admit those deficiencies in life. You want to be able to tell your boss or your peer group, I got this, no problem. I've been there, done that. And you turn it away and you're like, now what? Because at the end of the day, they're going to find out that you're either good or bad at something. So it took me a little while to get there. Um, but once I got there, it just made my life um, I don't want to use the word easier, but just more successful maybe is a better word because I admitted myself that I don't have the ability to do certain things. And, and for years, I had some thoughts on how to do certain projects. Um, and then I started interviewing people and I would say, how would you go about it? And they would give me the answer. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, you can give me the answer. I'm still not going to be able to achieve it. I need you to work with me so we can do this thing together. Um, and there is nothing better. Again, I am a I don't have a lot of vices in life, but sports is one of them. Um, I, I am addicted to sports. Um, and I, in, in whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, it's team. Um, and once you really come to realize that you, you may be good, but you need people before you and after you to get the job done, um, it just really makes life easier. So 
for me, um, and again, we can make all the fun in the world. I like having fun. There's no doubt about it. It's easy to hire someone smarter than me. Um, but, and that might be the case. That may be a true statement. It may not even be funny. But to be able to work with that person and have them still be smarter, that's the key to kind of going back to your other question about just that whole leadership and hiring people that yeah. you trust is knowing that they're not coming after your job. They're coming after to make us all successful. Yeah, and it's almost like that perspective is what sets you apart even for when when the hierarchy is looking down for, okay, hey, let's figure out who's ready for the promotion because that is a higher level type of thinking one. Did I steal your answer? So no, sort of, kind of, not really. So what Shugan said at the end was right on. Um, I definitely have made the mistake sometimes of being intimidated to hire. Uh, there's no question. And I look back on that with great regret because I've learned over the years that surrounding yourself with people who are actually better than you or who will be better than you in the not too distant future will make you better and stronger. Um, you know, Dave mentioned team, you know, and we've heard, all heard, you know, the, the weakest member of the team, the weakest link. Um, it's true. Like, so you surround yourself with better people. You will be better yourself. Your team will be better. But this is something we talk about in our organization all the time. If you've not got somebody to fill you back up, you can't get promoted either. Like the company can't afford to put you in, in yeah. more responsibility or in a different place if there's not somebody there to, to backfill you. Um, I think a, a, really, a really great trait for leaders is making sure that there are people there that can do your job, whether you get promoted, hit by a bus, take on another opportunity, whatever it might be. Um, and that actually reassures senior leadership and proves that you've really got chops to make sure your team has got bench so the company can continue to grow, your department can continue to grow. If you continue to do what you do, stretch yourself and, and be a good leader, you shouldn't be at risk. It's not an end-all be-all and it doesn't always quell the, the, the anxiety that that might bring. But if, if you ever have the opportunity to hire somebody who's smarter than you and better than you, and today's point, you can get along with them. I said, yeah, I was gonna say as long as they're not an arrogant prick. That, look, you, it is a, it's, a, it's family, right? You gotta, you, there's gotta be a lot of trust. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, yeah, Shugan's right on. Well, that's a good, that's, a, it's almost like a mature perspective versus the insecure, immature perspective. Well, it, goes, it goes back to uh, the people in the world who won't teach you or train you to do what they do, because if you know what they do, then they, they can be expendable. That's just yeah. not real. Oh, that's cool. All right, Lon, I'm passing it over to you. You got a question? So I, I'd really like to know from Shugan, like what was the, what was the, the, the point in your career that was the, the, the time where you felt most um, successful. Like I, I nailed it, I did it, I'm here. Mm, man, Throw, throwing a, a curveball right at me, huh? Um, you know, I think for me is when I see some members of my team go on and take current roles or bigger roles. Um, I, I am very excited that um, some of the people that have been on this show uh, have gone on to bigger and better things that at one point worked for me. Um, so for me, it's, again, I, I may be stealing phrases from others. I don't know. Um, I like to say some of these smart anecdotes are mine, but they're probably not. But for me in, in 10, 15 years when I'm retired and I'm sitting on a beach somewhere, uh, I'm a diehard Dolphin fan um, uh, and we're having a good season this year. Um, <laughs> but when I'm in Miami uh, watching a game, it's not going to be how much strength did I reduce? How much restitution did I get? Um, uh, whatever, it's going to be how many people that I helped get to wherever they wanted to get to. Um, so for me, 
um, seeing some, some of my former employees, some of my peer group, uh, helping them get to those levels, that's where I feel like, wow, I made an impact on someone's life. Um, and is there anything more, you know, hair, the hair crawling on the back of the neck feeling of you real, you really, you just didn't like give someone a, a, um, a pat on the back. You didn't give them a compliment. You really helped them. And therefore they're helping their family and whatever the case may be, whether it's responsibility, honor, privilege, um, financial to get to that next level. Um, to me, Dave, I, I think that's where I would kind of look at is, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of the programs. Um, some of the acronyms, we're big into acronyms here. Um, some of the programs that I've coined, uh, some predictive analysis that we've created and, and the presentations that you and I've done and, and I've done over a course of the years, but really helping people get to that wherever they wanted to get to, whether it's next level, same level, or maybe even a different career. Um, I think for me in my heart, that, that makes me the most proud. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great question. It is. I know I had you as a co-host for a reason. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to have one last question and then I'm going to pass it to Lund to have one last question. But so mine is I always like to give the solution providers that may be listening to this, the smart ones, a little uh, advice, right? From the mouth of you guys, right? And it's really more like bucking myths. Okay. David Lund and I bucked the myth about that LP professionals don't really believe you when you say you're going to be in their area. So what are some solution provider, I don't know, tips, tricks? Hey, do me a favor. I had one guy say, if you send me an email, don't call me the next two minutes. Don't text me in the next 30 seconds. Give me a second, right? Um, so what, what would you say? You know, maybe it's something you want to get off your chest just right here or, it, or something nice. You can say, hey, look, here's your tip. Well, I, uh, hey, uh if I ever leave the loss prevention asset protection world, I may jump ship and go toward the, the vendor role, the yeah. provider role, because uh, I do think it's something I, I, I have interest in. So I'm gonna be careful how I state this. That being said, um, get to know somebody uh, for me. Um, the vendors that I uh, either have worked with previously, currently working with, or I maybe just starting to have conversations with today, we're just getting to know each other. It's not a, they're not trying to sell me a solution. They're, they're building a relationship. Um, the providers I, I have now, uh, they'll come and just randomly, how the kids, uh, how's your sport team doing? Um, I, I still get messages from, you know, several retailers that, that they're, they've been on my, they've been getting my, my money for the last several years, but they haven't tried to up me to anything else or a new program. They just reach out and say, Hey, are you healthy? How's your family? How's your sport team doing? Whatever's going on. They're not in my area. They're not saying they want to have a, to me, that just feels good. I just want to have relationships. Sincere. sincere, sincere relationships that we can build on um, that it's just, they have a solution. If it's going to help me be more successful, our company be more profitable, they don't have to worry about selling it. If they're, you know, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of camera vendors. There's a lot, lot of alarm vendors. There's a lot of um, um, uh, exception reporting vendors. There's alarms, keys, locks. There's a, there's plenty of vendors out there. Um, but it, there doesn't seem to be enough people just having real conversations, um, just getting to know somebody. Um, and for me, that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Sincere that being said, I could joke and just say, just call one of the guys on my team instead of calling me. No, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Don't worry. I already said that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lund, we're turning it over to you for final questions before we wrap this up. So, uh, 
So 2020 for many is going to go down in the, uh, in the books as a really terrible, horrible, bad year. Like 2020 has just been, it's been trash for a lot of people in a lot of ways. It's the new cuss word. Man, oh, that was 2020. Tell me about it. <laughs> but there are silver linings. There have been good things that have come out of it. Can you share with us and the listeners some of the great things that have happened for you in 2020? Um, yeah, there, there has been. It, is, it has been a rough year. There's no doubt about it. And um, I'd like to say it's a tough year, but I don't think December 31st going into January 1st is probably going to change much. I wouldn't be surprised if we're having this conversation next year saying, man, I thought 2021 was going to be better. Um, but I no. do think the light is at the, I know, I'll be optimistic. I do believe there's more light at the end of the tunnel than there was six months ago. Um, but no, I think working virtually uh, has been one of the great things for us. Um, you know, we, in the AP world, we're used to, we were regionals or district people at one point, and we're used to working out of the home. Um, but for me, is just learning to do our job differently. Um, I am someone that is, I, I think one of the things that I would also give advice to myself, going back to that question, I'll weave into this one is, don't settle for just being successful. You gotta continue to evolve and build on that. Um, and for me, it's always been that way. So to me, this was just another opportunity to think differently and challenge myself challenge my team of shrink's still going to happen. Sales still need, need to happen. Bad guys are still going to come in the store. So how can we address those things, things that we never thought we were ever going to need? And, and I'm sure everyone on this, uh, this little podcast, and certainly everyone that's going to listen to it, have all said, we've seen it all, right? Nobody saw this coming. There was no uh, college course that we took on how to deal with asset protection during a pandemic. Yeah. If there was, I didn't sign up for it. Um, but in two, five, 10 years, we'll probably be saying, we didn't see this coming either, you know, whatever the case may be. So just continuing to be open to learn and to be different and to change. Um, but most importantly for me, um, I've had to find a way to say, I will figure out a solution to do that because um, there's been plenty of things that my company has thrown at me and said, hey, we need to do this. How can we make it happen? And most years I'd be like, uh-uh, no, can't do that. Uh, now it has to be, we have to do that we're not gonna have doors to open. Um, so for me, it just really has challenged me. And that's been the silver lining is, I don't like complacency. I wanna continue to grow. And this has just helped me grow in ways that, like I said, I didn't think I was gonna to have to even think about of a pandemic. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, we talked about the ability to adapt, you know, on, on lunch and then talk about adapting, right? But I, I'm hopeful, I think right when the clock strikes midnight, on 20, it's over. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, 10, 9, 8, I'm going to go with that. One. We'll go with that. Time's <laughs> will still be empty, but we'll go with that. Yeah, right. at least my white claw won't be empty. And the, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Why not? Okay. For that Thank moment, you. we can all forget about it at least. Yeah, right. For that one moment, we're ringing in the new year with hope. Um, okay, you guys, David Lund, you're an awesome co-host. Shugan, awesome guest. Thank you. So now, now we got to get Shugan in the co-host seat. That's how this rolls now. Talk um, LP. <laughs> All right. You can follow us on Twitter at Let's Talk LP. Don't forget to download our hot new breaking news app, LP, TalkLPNews.com. That was a sizzle from David Lund. So that's huge. Breaking news headlines on your phone wherever you get your apps, Talk LP News app. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk at you later. See you. Thank you. Cause, cause, cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.